Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Spiritual Happy Hour on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Jen Lajotis, your co-host for Spiritual Happy Hour. My co-host, uh, Janelle Hoyland, is not with us tonight. But for anyone that's a new listener, I just want to let you know Spiritual Happy Hour is a show about intuition and really getting in touch with your intuition or your higher self and living life in the flow. Every guest that Janelle and I have on the show, we really feel is divinely chosen as an example of a person who's really out there living their purpose. And I know our our life purpose can change as we go through the journey, uh, but it's someone that really demonstrates living in the flow and living who you know who they are as we're all connected again, as I said, as we move through the journey. And um, I'm really excited tonight because uh, our guest tonight is Jerry Gavin. Jerry, welcome, Jerry, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. You are a uh, medium yourself. You have your own, and an author and a speaker. You have your own mm-hmm. uh, radio show on Hay House Radio, and you have a book, Messages from Margaret, Down to Earth, Angelic Advice for the World and You, that you uh, co-wrote, I'll say, with uh, through channeling. Mm-hmm with the angel that you've been working with for the last 20 years, whose name happens to be Margaret. And tonight I know you're going to share your story of the book and co-creating how we can work with angels ourselves and how we can really uh, co-create with them and fine-tune our thinking of, you know, sort of how we approach things. Um, and I, if you want to call and speak with Jerry towards the end of the show, uh, the call-in line is uh, 347-326-9921. And I'll, I will probably take a break as calls come in, maybe at the half-hour mark, and screen some of the calls for Jerry, and then we'll we'll go to questions from, from some people that we have on. Um, but, Jerry, you didn't start... Uh, <laughs> You didn't choose to kind of go out and become a medium. <laughs> um, that wasn't anything you were looking for. Uh, you write that in the very beginning of the book, and I'm fascinated by the story because oftentimes on the show we've had other people come on that will say, this was not something I thought I signed up for at all. And can you share with our listeners a little bit about your story and how you came to uh, become a medium, and then also how you came to connect with Margaret, because I, I think it's really fascinating. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, you're right on the money when you said it's not something that in the beginning I by any means thought that um, that I was signing up for. I, I lived a um, very, very uh, normal, quote-unquote normal life, uh, not really affected by paranormal experiences. I'm, you know, I think everybody has those sort of situations where you might experience a deja vu sort of thing, or you might experience that that precognition of a telephone ringing and you know who it is on the other line, or you're thinking of someone and they wind up calling you. So those kind of things happen to me, but nothing really extreme and and nothing where I anticipated that that was going to be a part of my life. And then my life started going through a a lot of changes in my late 30s. Um, There just were a lot of personal things that were occurring. Um, I was, I think a lot of things actually in my life started to to fall apart 
Um, my marriage of 10 years um, came to an end. My my wife at that point had gone to law school, and we were on our way planning this wonderful, wonderful life together, you know, thinking all of these great things were now going to happen is we would have two successful careers. And then a very unexpected thing occurred, and that was that she fell in love with somebody in law school, which she never anticipated happening, and certainly I never anticipated happening. So we wound up going in different directions, and when that happens and your whole life starts to take this other turn, it affects everything. So I was looking for a place to live. I I financially was trying to figure out how I was going to afford that, you know, help to take care of my two daughters, do different things. So I made a decision that rather than trying to get an apartment initially, I was going to um, rent a room and a house so that this way it would cost less money. So a a friend of mine let me know about um, a young lady who had just recently herself gone through um, breaking up with her fiancé at a point where she had just bought a house. And um, I rented this room in in this house. And it was a beautiful, beautiful house, Jen. I mean, it was like a center hall colonial on a corner lot with sun streaming through all the windows. Really, really beautiful place. Um, The woman who I, I rented the house from, who years you know, fast forward to the current days is now um, currently my girlfriend, Gail. Back then, when I first rented this room, um, I thought it was a great, great thing. And I started to think, okay, everything's starting to move in the right direction. And lo and behold, as evening started, I started noticing some really unusual things that were happening. I would close my eyes and see these energies moving around in the room, almost like I describe it as kind of these yin and yang sort of shapes that would, you know, I would see them when my eyes were open. I would see them when my eyes were closed. I would hear breathing next to me in the bed, although no one obviously was in the bed with me. Um, And when a light would come on in the hallway that would come underneath the door, everything would stop. But then when the lights were off, everything would happen again. And these kind of occurrences kept growing and growing and growing. And I I talk about this a lot in the beginning of the book, Messages from Margaret, until finally one day I decided to say something to Gail about it. I guess it was was almost a month after these occurrences were going on. And honestly, Jen, there was a part of me that thought that it was me that because of all the pressures of the marriage ending and all the other things that were going on, that maybe I was losing it a little bit. Right, you know? right, sure. And um, so, you know, when I, I approached Gail to ask her, was there anything unusual that she noticed in the house, she kind of jumped right on and said, well, like what? What are you talking about? And I told her my experiences, and she began to tell me the experiences that, that she was going through, that there was this white figure that she would see kind of going through the room, that her jewelry was kind of moving by itself, that she would put her jewelry in one spot and she would find it in another spot, find it in different rooms. And, um, you know, we laughed about that one because I, I really didn't believe that. I thought to her, look, you're probably just misplacing it. Right, so right. We were, we were, <laughs> we were going to go out to lunch that day to talk about, you know, what what was going on and what we were going to do about it because, you know, it wasn't like, you know, if you're renting an apartment, it's one thing. 
but she yeah. had just bought this house, you know? Yeah. She only had owned it for about six months, so it's not like you can turn around at that point and say, well, I'm just going to move out. So Right, exactly. You know, like all that paperwork you go through, you just put everything into it, and, you know, there's no way you could just bolt out and say, forget it. <laughs> right, and yeah. and I had just moved into it, so I wasn't a big believer in in this kind of stuff anyway, so I was trying to figure out, well, you know, it can't be really complicated. Maybe it's just something we, we have to do, and we had both grown up Catholic, so we figured, you know, we'll, we'll, maybe we could call a priest in, which is kind of a funny story in itself, but um, but we we decided to go out to lunch, and it was really funny because she said to me, I just want you to see this, and she took her jewelry, and she put it in, you know, one of those little bags that women keep their jewelry in, and then took that and put it into a jewelry cabinet that was a locking cabinet, and then put that inside of her uh, armoire, you know, and closed up the armoire, oh, yeah. and we left to to go out to to have lunch, and had lunch as we were were you know finishing at lunch, and they gave us the check. I went to get my wallet, and Gail reached into her purse to you know to get money as well. And she looks in her purse and says, oh, this is ridiculous. And I said, what? And she reaches in and takes out the bag that she had put the jewelry in. And she said, you saw me put this in oh, there. Oh, my right? God. And I, I, I had absolutely seen her put it in. So we realized something was going on that was really kind of beyond us. And we did actually go to see a priest and we explained the situation and asked if he could please come over. And um, when he came over, it was kind of funny because he was very nervous. And he came to the front door of the house, and he was telling us the reason why this was probably going on was because we we didn't go to church anymore, and maybe if we went to church again, this would <laughs> this would change the situation. So we agreed to go if that was going to do it. We were right, fine right. with that. We figured if that's going to make our house better, we'll go to church. But you know, Father, come anyway, which he did, and he came in the downstairs. And, you know, we told him, you know, we were about to go upstairs. And he said, no, let me say some prayers, which he did. And he threw some holy water around downstairs and said, okay, you should be fine now. He said, well, Father, most of this is going on upstairs. The upstairs is the worst. We have rooms upstairs that are like 30 degrees colder than every other room, you know, and other things that we explain were going on. And he said, you know, it's not necessary. The holy water will spread and the prayers will spread. Everything will be fine. And uh, and he left very hurriedly, and it didn't. I was going to say, help. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It didn't help at all. And, and so what what we did wind up helping, and what was a very unusual situation was that, you know, a friend of mine who was one of my closest friends and the only friend that I really had any that I didn't think would would you know, make fun of me for talking about this and stuff. I called him and I said, you know, I, I got to tell you the story. And, and I proceeded to tell him what was going on. And he said, you know what? You really should talk to my psychologist, you know, my counselor. And I was like, no, I'm really not crazy. I, I You know, it's not just me. That, you know, she's experiencing it also. I told her about the jewelry. He says, no, no, I'm not saying you're crazy. And he said, I'm seeing this counselor who is a, a very gifted psychotherapist, and she is a clinical psychotherapist, but she also happens to be psychic. And he said, it's it's like, he said, you know me, I've been going to therapy for like 30 years. And he said, what's going on with this, though, is I'm like 
this is like hyperdrive therapy because every time I try to run away from something, she'll say to me, well, who's so-and-so and who's so-and-so? Right, and it I makes love me that. Deal. Yeah, she said it made yeah. me deal with like all my garbage. So he suggests that I call her, which I do, and before I even had the opportunity to tell her the story of what was happening, she asked me, what is going on in the house that you're calling from? The energy is crazy. And says to me, do me a favor, grab a pad and paper, just write down everything I'm telling you. And what she proceeded to do was to channel, which was the first time I had ever dealt with anyone who was channeling, a ceremony that needed to be done by three people at three different times in order to be able to remove the, the spirits that were, were in this house to, to get them to leave. And, you know, when she finished with it, I said, well, what is this all about? And she said, I... I don't even really know. It's just this is what I got to give to you. Um, she instructed me to write everything we were going to say on really big, like, cue cards that we could put up on an easel and read because she said it's very likely when you try to say them, you may have trouble talking. You may have trouble with things coming out of your mouth odd. And, she said, and then also um, she made it a very clear thing that I was to go out and buy a directional compass and make sure that I was standing at the northernmost point of every room we were in because we had to be in every, uh, right, do this room, in every single room. Room to room, yep. wow. Room to room wow. to room. And there had to be three of us. It was myself and Gail and um, uh, one of my daughters who had been to the house many times and also experienced something, so she was agreeing to, to want to do it as well. Um, and... When we did it the first time, Jennifer, it was insane because we started to do it and the um, the alarms went off in the house. There was a security alarm system in the house. So we thought first maybe the security alarm was going off because we had burned some sage initially and we had a candle right. lit in every room. So we thought yeah. maybe it was that. But we So we opened up all the windows to make sure that that was okay and we had shut the alarm off. And then we started up again, and the alarm went off again. So at this point, of course, the alarm company is calling back again, and we're saying we're not sure there might be a malfunction. So I turned off the circuit breaker to the alarm system so we could we could do it again, and it went off again. Oh, my God. Now, there's no electricity coming <laughs> right. to the system, and it went off. So... At this point, again, they're calling back. I explained I had shut off the breaker. We didn't know what was going on. Um, we figured the only way to make sure this wasn't going to go off was to shut off the whole electricity to the whole house. It was in the middle of the afternoon. It didn't really matter. So I shut off the main to the house. We went back to do it again, and it went off again. Oh, my and God. At this point, we figured something, and, and we couldn't get it to stop. So the fire department came. Uh, police department came. Of course, as soon as they came up to the house, it stopped. And we tried to explain, you know, everything's off. We don't know what's going on. So we again made another effort to do it. And this time we were able to do it. Again, everything in the house was off. We were able to get through the first time. First time was at 3 in the afternoon. Another time was 3 in the morning. And another time was midnight with the three different times that we had to do it. And the woman who had given us this information was perfectly right because the words, when we tried to say words, it was almost like, it's so hard to uh, to, to imagine, but it was like 
words were coming out of our mouth sideways, you know? No, I can, so I we can, would be, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. We, we would try uh, to say something. It's like muck, and we, right? Yeah. yeah. Quick right, and we, yeah. right, and we'd have to stop and say it again and say it again. And again, I was at that northernmost point, and when it came to the last day to do it, um, Gail, who again, like me, um, did not feel like she had any psychic abilities or any different things, said to me, do me a favor, before we go up and we do this today, just, I know this is going to sound crazy, but she grabbed a, a blister pack of um, uh, AA batteries, you know, the kind that you put in small flashlights or toys or remote controls. So it was, a, you know, this package of like four or six batteries. And she said, just do me a favor and please put this in your pocket. And wow. I was like, why? She goes, I have no idea why. I have no idea in the world why I'm asking you to do this, but I just have this really strong feeling to ask you to do this, you know? So I did. I put it in my shirt pocket, and we did the last round. And in this last round, it was the most intense experience because had I not been through it, I would never have believed it because it really was just like something out of a movie with, you know, doors to rooms opening and closing, slamming open and shut, drawers and furniture open and closing, banging on the walls, um, just all these things that were just frightening the daylights out of us, you well, know? I was going to say, Jerry, we, you are so calm. You, know, you sound like you were able to sort of go through the this process in a calm way. I think most people would have been, as you said, there was no way you could sell the house or, or leave the house. Right. But it's amazing to me because you, number one, have such a calm presence to start with. Um and I can't imagine, you know, um, I think most people would just not, this would, well, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think the majority of people would forget it. I know for me, I I wouldn't be anywhere near that. <laughs> I'd say I'd find anybody else yeah. to go do the ceremony, you know, with you. you know? So, <laughs> well, you know, um, the, thing was, the thing was, we didn't really have a choice. And, and that calmness, you know, now, years after the fact, I think, there's a lot of years and a lot of things that have been learned and a lot of other stuff that's kind of helped to, to bring a little bit of calmness to how I feel. At that point, I was scared to death, you know? But it, but it was the thought we all kept thinking was, if we can get through this, it's the last time, you know, maybe it will help. And when we finished, um, the house got very quiet. Um, everything seemed much calmer. Uh, my daughter felt fine. Gail felt fine. Everybody was doing okay, uh, except for me. I felt like I had just been run over by a train. And um, I went downstairs. I was having trouble breathing. I, I just felt horrible, and I didn't know what was going on. And um, I reached in my pocket as I remembered about the batteries in my pocket, you know, that blistered back of batteries, and they were totally melted inside wow. the case, you know. And I proceeded to have that effect on pretty much everything electronic for about the yeah. next three weeks afterward. I I went through, I can't tell you how many car batteries, how many starters. Um, back then, this preceded cell phones. So this is the day of the pagers. So um, right. I went through three or four pagers during that period yeah. of time. And forget anything a camera. Electronic. You know, right, right. camera, sure. like you name it. A friend's camera, you know, <laughs> anything, yeah, anything, right. Is, and also, in also situations, I mean, at that point in time, 
I was working um, three different jobs, and one one full-time job and two part-time jobs. And in the course of the next three days after that, all three jobs fired me for for crazy reasons. I mean, simple little things that were just um, either a misunderstanding or even just, uh, you know, me saying, I think we should do it this way. And bosses who were incredibly reasonable, very, very nice people just all of a sudden turning around and saying, well, forget it, you're out of here kind of thing. I was like, you're kidding me, you know. Right. And, yeah. yet, uh, and yet about a week after that time, all three jobs rehired me with all three people saying, I don't know why I did that. I'm not really sure wow. what happened during that time. But, but every one of them said the one thing was true, which was that, there was just something about you at that time I couldn't even tolerate being around you. It was like there was wow. this negativity that just permeated you. And that was what what I realized from when I called um, the woman who had uh, had given us the advice about the house and I told her what I was going through, that, that clinical psychologist, psychic person, she explained that standing at that northernmost point, was meaning that everything in the house left through me. And when that happened, she said it happened for two reasons. One is that you were the strongest person for that energy to come through. But she said the other reason why it was so important is because you're going to do this kind of work in the future, and it's very important for you to tell the difference between discarnate energy and angelic energy and guides and all these other things. And and Jennifer, I laughed hysterically when she said right. that. Cause the, You're saying, what? My feeling you know? at that point is <laughs> there is no way, no how, you know, check please, I'm done, you know. Right. I don't yeah. ever want to do another spiritual thing for as long as I live, you know. And she just laughed and said, right, maybe that will be the case, but I kind of have a feeling you might go in a couple of different directions. And and she was right, because what wound up happening is after that occurred, um, Gail and I started to become better friends, and she was about to try to switch careers and become a massage therapist, and we wound up going to the same massage school, because I thought this was a, a great career direction to go in as well. To me, it was just the idea of a part-time job at the woman who taught the school. Excellent massage therapist, but she had also been trained um, by in, indigenous shamans in Latin America and um, uh, some Native American shamans as well. So she would share some of these experiences and some of the exercises with the class. And it was always me in the class who had the most profound experiences. And again, I was fighting it tooth and nail. I did not want to go through any of these things. I just wanted to learn massage. <laughs> I wanted to, to to do like a part-time job. So, I, you know, you, you've got this very, very down-to-earth person who's just trying to get a different type of work. And finally, I, I, after months of experiences that I just couldn't explain, I finally started to say to myself, look, maybe you should stop fighting and find out why this stuff is happening. So rather than fighting it any longer, I started to learn more and more about it, and that got me into learning more about shamanism and shamanic journeying and soul retrieval and communicating with power animals and spirit guides and all types of things of that nature. 
And eventually it led me into an experience that, that caused me to meet Margaret and um, and actually begin to have the, these communications with an angel, uh, which oh, wait, began... Yes. I, I just want to go back for just a second because um, in terms of energy, when we talk about it later on, when you were talking about just after the house um, and you were fired from uh, the couple of jobs and people were saying there was something about you that uh, just, uh, the wrong words, you know, they just couldn't be around you. Was that just simply right. your internal energy or your aura? You weren't acting mean or anything, right? I'm assuming that was just your energy, period, just what was it, around you. Is that right? right you're right. such a likable was, guy. I can't imagine that you would be in a bad right. mood or what have you, right? So we're just talking it, invisible energy at the time that people could feel. Right. Right? right. Yeah. It, was, it was that energy that had come into my energetic field by right. all of those entities that were in the house leaving through me. Yeah. So every yeah. room we were in where we did this, the energy that left in each of those rooms left through me. And, you know, when you think of energy, that makes a lot of sense because we all know people who are the kind of people that they just walk into a room and they light up the room. And you, you, you can't wait to be around them because it's like when you're by them – your energy feels elevated. You feel yeah. really wonderful. And you just you just want to be with those people. And everybody wants to be with those people. And at the same time, we all know that person who you get a telephone call and you look at the caller ID and you see who it is and you just say, oh, my God, I cannot take this call because this person just sucks the life out of me, you know? And it might be that person that's going through really difficult times in their life or maybe they're just a really negative person or whatever. But for whatever reason, you find that when you get on the phone with that person or you see that person, you find yourself yawning. You feel like you're going to go to sleep any minute. You know, you're struggling to have energy to just keep going. And that's because that that's energy at work. That's how every human being perceives energy. There's energy that's working at a higher vibration and energy that's working at a lower vibration. And when you're dealing with with discarnate energy, when you're you're dealing with the energy of souls that may not have crossed over, and in those cases, whenever that happens, it's because the souls didn't cross over because they were involved in, in something that was causing them to live in a great deal of fear. If they didn't have that right. fear, they would cross over. But they're afraid to cross over because they're either afraid that they've done something that they're going to be punished for or just afraid in general. And that fear, of course, then, I've learned years later, is what causes that vibration to work in a much lesser level, you know. And, and that's what gets people to perceive that, you know, so you come up in somebody else's energy field and you're just, your your field is surrounded by fear, you bring up that person's fears and then all of a sudden right. they don't want you around them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was what had happened. And, but it's, um, uh, it's amazing, though, because that caused you sort of to finally surrender and then you ended up bringing in the opposite, Margaret, Angel, which is love, Right. The, exactly. You know. exactly. So it's amazing how they had you do the negative first <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. go to a completely the different. But I feel like, do you feel like you, ha I think you said this in your book, that you kind of came to a point of surrender 
um, and you feel like that's, I guess you'd said it too, you were resisting, resisting, because again, it wasn't what you figured you signed up for. You were like, no, I just want, this is, this is a career I just want, fun, you right. know, massage, this would be great. And then no, it's completely for a different reason. It's sort of talk about studying people's energy and then learning from this woman who studied with shamans. Amazing. Um, right, and you know, you, and for me, it was just I just wanted to be normal, you know. Right. And with everything that I had learned, it wasn't normal to talk to spirit guides. It wasn't normal to go on shamanic journeys to to retrieve pieces of people's souls, or it wasn't normal to talk to angels. You know, I mean, yeah, you could pray, yes, you could talk. But what was really not normal was for them to talk back. You know? Right. And right. that that is the thing where when that experience first started to occur, um, I was very, very dubious about it, especially because the method of communication that, that I was using was automatic writing, which is where you sit down and it's as though you write a letter to your best friend in the world and saying everything that you're you're looking for advice about and then you start a letter back to yourself, so you, you write to your jury, and then you just sort of let the pen flow. And and that was how the original conversations with Margaret started. And what I noticed about it when the conversation started, and when I would just write and write and write, is as I would read it later, I would realize that the answers to the questions I was asking were filled with much more love and compassion and a sense of non-judgmentalism than I would ever have. For example, I would be going through relationship things so that I would be like, you know, Margaret, I'm so frustrated because she did this, 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 and this, and I don't understand it, and, and, you know, and I'm filled with all this anger and angst, and then she comes back and says, well, have you ever thought about that maybe she is perceiving this and this and this and this, and that's why she's responding in these ways, you know. And she had this amazing way of turning everything back so that I would look at myself in a much more, I don't, I'm not saying critical in, in, in a, um, in a criticized sort of way, but in, in a, in a critique sort of way where I would look at myself in a, in a much more reflective way to learn about what I was doing that was generating the energy in my life that was causing it to be very tense. Because at that time, like you were saying, I, I, I seem so calm now. This was not a calm right. period in my life. There was a lot that was going on. And it was part of these, this process of the conversations with Margaret that got me to look at myself and understand myself in a very, very different way. And yet like she spoke... Yeah. Right. But yeah. she would speak to my heart and not to my head. Because you know how most times when you're feeling a certain way and a friend of yours may say, yeah, but maybe it's you, if you're getting that information through your head, you're immediately defensive. Going, no, it's right. not. You know, it's this, right. this, and this. But when somehow the energy of that information speaks to your heart, you don't have the need to be defensive. You just sort of take it into your heart and, and of course, I wanted to be scientific about it, so I would even take that information and go to different people and say, hey, by any chance, could you be right. feeling this or this or this, you know? And and they would say, yeah, you know, I, I am, and that's really insightful, and I'm so glad you got it. And, 
you know, and and the funny thing is, I mean, I had to take credit for it because what was I going to say? Well, well, my right. angelic right pen pal <laughs> <laughs> just gave you this info. So, you know, I, I every time I would get information that I had a way of validating, I would I would validate it. And then as time went on, it just grew into sharing it with a few different people who I could trust to then shared it with a few people that they could trust. And eventually I started doing these letters for other people and sharing that information for them and, and doing what came to be known as, you know, messages from Margaret or, or readings from Margaret. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, for, and I did this pretty much very quietly as I was leading a regular life as a, as a newspaper publisher for over... 20 years. There were two very separate worlds that I was living in oh, wow. um, mm-hmm. until right. 2010. And 2010 was when Margaret asked me if I would write this book, if I would put together this book of messages for the world. And there's no turning back when you're doing that. You can't write a book and then say, no, I don't talk to angels. You know, right. At that right. point, yeah. you're definitely coming out of the spiritual closet. You know, So that was the situation I kind of found myself in at that point and that that is sort of what brings us to this radio program today was that that book and bringing that information out well and I know in the book you wrote um that she says um uh she can help with with insight but she's not able to predict the future because that right. would impair our own, uh, like we're here for co-creating. We're here uh, very much like the creator, and um, we have free will. So if she right. is there to predict the future, that's not going to let us go through the journey, right? Do you, um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like how how she's able to help people, but how we have to, I guess, own, right? We have to own own our own destiny, if you will. Right, Jerry? We have to sort of right. you know, take responsibility. Exactly. Because yeah. what, what she explains is that we are not just what we see here. We're, we're souls. We are, our souls are just this immense amount of energy that she describes as being bigger than we ever might imagine. And what we are right here and right now, this incarnation of Jerry Gavin, this incarnation of Jennifer, that's just a portion of our soul. That's just a small portion of the energy of our soul that's good put, that gets put into these particular containers. And the purpose of it is that when we're with, when the soul is within this container, the energy grows and it thrives and it becomes bigger. So we are then co-creators with our higher self, with our greater soul. And whatever we do helps us to, to grow that energy. So for an angel to just say, if you say, well, you know, um, tell me about my future, you know, what's going to happen if I do this, what's going to happen, really interferes with the whole process of that experience and the process of allowing that soul to grow through it because you're, you're not giving you the opportunity to make a choice between how do I respond to this situation because we in every situation in our life we have a choice to respond with fear which is going to contract our energy 
Or right. we have a chance to respond with love and compassion, which is going to expand our energy. I mean, think about it. When you're in love, you're like bouncing off the walls with your energy. You're, you, when you're in love, you, you, this, you know, this, everything smells sweeter, flowers right. smell yeah. more wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, it can be pouring can rain up, and you don't care. Right. You, know? <laughs> you can be up for days at a time yeah. and you're living on vapors of sleep. But when you're scared or upset or fearful, your energy just contracts and you feel your your muscles contract. And so you have those opportunities to expand to any situation or respond to any situation in how you decide to respond to it. And that's why... Uh, she can't interfere with that. However, if your question to her is something like, Margaret, could you tell me what is it in my best interest to do? You know, and how can I create the life that I would really like to create? Then she can give you the background information on what are choices that you could have to create that life. So, for example, if you're asking her that question, she can help you to understand what are the things that you've already experienced in this lifetime that have brought you to this current energetic place in your life. And then she can talk to you about what are some of the things that you could do that would raise that vibration. But she'll dialogue with you in the meantime as you're doing a reading to try to get you to talk about and to realize what are the things in your life that make you the happiest? What are the things that bring you the most joy? Because when you're following that logic, when you're following the things that bring you the most joy, those are the things that always lift your vibration and help you to know what direction to move in. So so she's able to definitely offer this wonderful, like down-to-earth angelic advice but the advice is always couched around your questions. So you're specifically coming to her saying, can you help me with advice about this particular thing? And what in essence the question is always coming down to is, how can I be the greatest expression of myself in this particular way? And she can then help you energetically to understand what it is you could do to be able to do that. And very often it's, it's giving people information about things about themselves that they may not really realize or think about, you know? Yeah. Ways that we may be controlling our own energy that we don't know. Ways we might be bringing down our own energy. Ways right. we might be talking to ourselves. You know, phrases we might be using that are that are defeating our own purposes. You know, things of that well, nature. Yeah, because Jerry, I think t- uh, two things. Uh, oftentimes, I know for myself... For a long time, I would either try to, you know, if I wanted to be quote-unquote spiritual, I would always think, oh, I, I can't get angry, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. And really the answer is, oh, sure, you can. You have to move through that emotion, feel it, right. um, and learn how to navigate around that. Um, and, and then secondly, a lot of times I would put myself last. And I came to realize through the last couple of years that a lot of times I have to turn back to myself and say, wait a minute, what's true to me? You know, um, how can I find what what I need from a uh, not a spiritual place, but but what what feels right to me? I do everything by the feel test. What brings me? What makes me feel lighter? And you know, sometimes it's not cleaning the house right now. It's taking a walk, or you know, something that's very different that might be just a little bit of an adjustment, um, or putting something on hold for a minute. 
and it because I recharge my own battery, I feel like I can um, keep my vibration strong or or be better loving to other people. But I don't always feel like, um, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but in our society, we're very much like to-do lists, and we've got to do these things. And, and oftentimes, I feel like people can be, uh, not always, but um, running through life um, because we've got our job and some of us have our kids and we've got uh, baseball games and all kinds of things going and we don't always take the time to think about, wait a minute, what what do I need from um, for myself energetically or, you know, where, where am I at? And I don't know what you think about that, but... Um, well, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely true and, and that, that concept of self-care and recharging your own battery and more than anything else, you know, she'll always talk about the fact that the, the real purpose that your soul has in every lifetime is to be able to make decisions as to what will bring you the most joy, you know, what will create the greatest level of joy within your experiences because that lifts your vibration and then causes you to want to do more things. So if you're doing something dreadful for yourself, it lifts your vibration so you can help others. There's a great quote I remember. I wish I could remember the, the name of the person right now, but years ago um, there was a PBS special about codependency and there was a great guy who had written this book about codependency and he used the analogy of an airplane where he said, when you're on an airplane and, and they're explaining the emergency procedures, they say that if for any reason if the cabin loses pressure, these masks are going to fall down. And it's very important if you're traveling with young children or someone who's not able to take care of themselves that you've got to put the mask on yourself first before you're able to take care of your children. Now, our initial reactions and everything that we would do in our life are so opposite that because the thing right. we always do right away is take care of our children. And our initial reaction even on the plane might be, I've got to get that mask around our child, but we're going to die if we don't put that mask first on us. We have to be able to breathe in order to be able to make sure that everyone else that we're taking care of is able to breathe as well. And it's interesting, you know, I'm in the process of, of writing a new book for Hay House, and the book is called If You Could Talk to an Angel, and people wrote in questions from all over the world for the book. And a wonderful question that was asked was, you know, I don't understand how it is that people who are so selfish and self-centered continue to get everything that they want out of life, and people who are so selfless and giving don't get any rewards for that. Why is that? It, it seems so wrong. And Margaret's response to that is, but it makes so much sense because right. yeah. someone who is what you might perceive as selfish or self-loving is putting out the energy that says, it is important for me to draw to me things that will make me happy. So they are kind of in in sync with their soul that what they're trying to bring for themselves is joy for themselves, that that really is their first priority. Now, there there may be people that are, are, are totally self-absorbed, but from an energetic point of view, they are attracting to them more of the same of that experience, whereas if we're totally giving our energy away all the time, the message that's sending to the universe is, I don't matter, you know? 
Right. It's not important yeah. for me. You know, I don't really want anything for myself. I want it for my kids. I don't really want anything for myself. I want it for my husband. When you're saying that and you're saying those kind of phrases, you know, you are sending out energy and that's part of our, our process of creation that says, I don't want anything for myself. I don't right. need anything yeah. for myself, you know? Yeah. And that is what consistently then keeps coming to back. me. So it's, right. it's yeah. So it is a really in, interesting process of energy that, that like energy does attract. So what we're putting out there, the things that we're saying, the things that we're thinking, are the things that we're manifesting into our energy field. It's funny, Jerry, because my mother-in-law always says this, and it drives me crazy. Like she'll say she's 89, God bless her, but she'll say, um, she'll say, all I can ask for is health. That's all I can ask for. And I always say, no, ask for more. You can ask for anything. I'm like, don't just ask for health. You know, but it does feel selfish, though. This is something that I really just got, I have to say, like really internalize that whole lesson of, you know, it's not selfish to really get in touch with what does my spirit need right now? What do I need? And realize that right. once you do that, you can come from that place of love. And as you said, like attracts like, so you can raise that vibration. But I wanted to talk a little bit, when you and I did our pre-call, um, we were talking about how a lot of us, myself included, are are more into clutter in our heads with what I think is fear-based thoughts. And I would love it if you could sort of share a little bit about the um, the tool shed that Margaret shared with you. And then the, is it the affirmations? Not not affirmations. Her whole new way of thinking um, mm-hmm. in how to turn things around. Because I think, um, I just think, uh, you tell me, but I think a lot of people struggle with this. We, we really um, are fear-based. And sometimes I don't even think we realize how much, we're we're going from maybe things we learned when we were kids or things that we we think society needs us to do and and it's automatic sometimes um right with, uh, right with exactly yeah well and the two things kind of tie in together because what what happens is that um what margaret talks about in in one of the things that uh she mentioned in the book is that she she talked about different kinds of things that you can do to raise your vibration. And one of the things she mentioned was this thing called affirmations, not not affirmation, not A-F-F-I-R, but affirm, F-O-R-M-ations, which is the process of affirming, forming thoughts that are going to be able to, and really what it comes down to is forming questions that will change the way that your brain processes your thoughts. And this is actually, it, it comes from, from the work of a gentleman named Noah St. John. And Noah admits that the concept of affirmations actually came to him one day when he was in the shower. And he had struggled all his life and he had tried affirmations like, I am prosperous, I am healthy, I am all these different things. And things just weren't working. He couldn't figure out what was going on. And that, in fact, was he's in the shower and he's saying to himself, I don't get it. I do affirmations. Why can't I get rich? Why can't I get happy? Why don't I have a relationship? Why am I living in my parents' basement at this point because I'm homeless? Why am I not able to get it? And that was the point where he got it. This light bulb went off in his head and he realized he was asking himself 
these questions all the time. Why can't I? Why can't I? You know, um, who am I to think I could do this? All these different things. And what dawned on him, and Margaret explained that it was very angelic, angelically inspired to dawn on him, was that we, our brains, by no coincidence at all, um, work like computers because computers work like our brains. We have designed our computers to work like our energetic oh systems. Oh, my God, to work right, like, right. Like the, <laughs> so, and what the brain does is the brain essentially, when you ask the brain a question, it goes on, for want of a better term, a Google search to find the answer to that question. So when you're asking the question, why can't I ever seem to get ahead financially, your brain will search through your cellular memory and all your experiential situations and come up with an answer inside your brain that says, well, it's because of this, 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 and this. And it will affirm that thought in your head that you can't get ahead financially. So what Margaret suggests is that you turn that whole thing around and when you find yourself saying that question of why can't I or what what is wrong with me or something of that nature, when you catch yourself saying that question, to turn the question around and to ask something like why is it so easy for me to fill in the blank? Or if that gives you some sense of, of resistance to do the question wouldn't it be nice if I could do this? Or wouldn't it be nice that. if I had all the money yeah. I needed? Because that is sort of a very gentle start that has no resistance because your brain right away will say, yo, well, that would be nice. And it starts thinking thoughts about what it would be like if that situation was there. And enough times of you saying, wouldn't it be nice if, and then you'll find yourself starting to say, why is it so easy for me right. to do this. And now your brain is searching for all the successes that you've had in your life that may not be applicable to this situation, but show that all the successes of the things that you are capable of doing so that you're able to, to bring this energy in. And the thing that came up that had to do with the, the, the storage shed was a really interesting description that she made. And she said, when we think a thought, if our desire, for example, is that we're trying to create wealth or we're trying to bring that wonderful person into our life that we always bring, and we're doing positive thinking about it, we're trying to form that thinking, she said, essentially what you're doing is you're taking that energy and you're bringing that energy into, for want of a better explanation, she said, imagine you've got a storage shed that you've rented. And all of this energy is kind of going into this energetic storage shed. So now all of these wonderful things that you're trying to manifest into your life are going into the storage shed and they're just waiting for that point in time where you believe in it enough that this is really the reality that you deserve to have that you're going to come to the storage shed and open the door and pick them up. But in the meantime, there's all this old way that we think all these cluttered thoughts, you know, our cluttered thoughts about, you know, oh, man, life is so hard. Life is such a struggle. You know, money is the root of all evil. You know, nobody ever said it was going to be easy. All those different phrases that we kind of take on 
every single day, you know. When when someone asks you, you know, hey, how's your day? Yeah, I'm getting by, you know. Right, yeah. Or don't ask, you know. Right, or don't ask, or, you know, right. those different things that we love. So that becomes the clutter in our mind, and that's also then the clutter in the energy that we're sending out to, you know, our our, our energetic storage shed. And what starts to happen is she said, if you imagine it like your storage shed, there are these wonderful things in the back of the shed now. And in front of them is all of this incredible clutter of the stuff that you no longer need. So it's like when we have stuff in our house that we don't need any longer, but we're afraid to throw it away because, well, what if we do need it, you know? What if something happens and I have to call up this thing that I don't use anymore? And we're kind of like that about our belief systems. We we really know that we don't need that belief system, but we're afraid to let go of it because it's what we've been comfortable with for, for such a long time. So all that stuff starts to clutter in front of the wonderful things that you're starting to want to get rid of. So one day... You go to your energetic storage shed because you want to get some of those wonderful things you're trying to manifest, and you open up the door, and all you see is this old clutter. So you start to clean out a little bit of that old clutter, and you think, well, I really don't need that thought. I really don't need that thought. And suddenly, you see a gleam of the stuff that you're really cool stuff that you're trying to set up in the background. And you really want to get at that stuff. But as most of the time, it's too much work. It's a lot of work, you think, to, oh, man, it's so hard to, like, try to think positive all the time. It's so hard to try to remember to say, why is it so easy? Or it's so hard to do this or that. So you decide, you know what, I'm going to close the storage shed and I'm going to come back on another day when I have a little more energy, whatever. And she's saying that's the way it works. And it's a funny thing because I have a client that, how this story came up is a client was telling me that she had been clearing the clutter out of her house and she had noticed that every time she got rid of another piece of clutter, she would notice that there was some really interesting experience. She would go through that day or the next day where some new piece of energy or some really cool new thing would come into her life, something that she really wanted would come into her life, you know? Whether it was a gift that somebody gave her of a CD or, or you know, a, a piece of clothing that she would decide to, to get that she had been holding off on getting and she wanted to get it and then all of a sudden she's walking by and it's like 60% off now, you know? So each thing she would let go of, there was an opportunity to bring something new in. And that's how this clutter works, so that if in your energetic co-creative shed you're trying to bring in new energy, the only way to do that is to start to clear out some of the clutter, to start to really look at those old belief systems that you have that are getting in the way, and to start looking at them by thinking about what are the questions I ask myself every day, really thinking about those questions, thinking about, you know, do you say, oh, why is it morning already, you know? (laughs) Why do I have to go to this job? Oh, my God, why is the traffic so bad? Why can't I ever find a parking space? You know, all of those kinds of questions that you ask yourself is setting yourself up for that same energy the next day and the next day and the next day, you know? 
And what you start to find when you're asking yourself, why is my commute so easy? Why do I always find something enjoyable to do during my commute? You know, why is why is my job becoming more enjoyable? Why why do I find enjoyable conversations with the people that I work with? You know, all those different things just start to bring you into a a why is it so easy mentality. And yeah. it's a really, really powerful thing. And another thing that's immensely powerful is when you start to see those things, those little gifts that you get as you're clearing the clutter, is to remember them, to write them in a gratitude journal or to to have a jar of things that you're grateful for and put it on a piece of paper and stick it in a jar and then some point at, at you know, a monthly basis or even a yearly basis, open that jar so you can look back at all the things you're grateful about because there's going to come some horrific days that you don't feel like you have anything to be grateful for in the world. But if you go to your gratitude journal and you just start reading through some pages of the things that happen to you, and the more you start to be grateful for the littlest things that make your life better. You know, like, for example, I used to work in Manhattan every day, and I can remember there would be days I was running really late, and I would think to myself, oh, man, I'm going to miss that bus. I have this meeting I'm supposed to get to. Why didn't I leave five minutes earlier? And I'm doing that beating up thing, you know. Why, why didn't I, you know do this last night so I could have done something more and then I notice as I'm coming off the highway that the bus is just right ahead of me and it hasn't gotten there yet the bus is running late so now I have that opportunity to be grateful because the bus was running late you know it right. wasn't just me yeah. that was running late so now I'm able to get that bus so there's gratitude that might seem like the simplest thing in the world but that set up my day to not have everything else go wrong you know so there was kind of a, of a blessing in that. Mm-hmm. Right, because mm-hmm. there's subtle gifts that are always there. But like you're saying, with right. this, we can actually acknowledge them. I love the jar, Jerry, because then you can actually see, I, I just can imagine it getting full. Do you know what I mean? So you can right. almost quantify it almost more than the journal. I mean, I like them both because I love the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we have a caller who's been waiting, and I wondered if you wouldn't mind just taking uh, her call. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Her name is Laura, and she's another person from New Jersey. And she has a question um, about she's very connected to angels herself, and she keeps finding feathers. I'm going to go ahead and put her on with you, Jerry, and let's see what Margaret okay. has to say. Okay, Laura, uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Spiritual Happy Hour tonight with Jerry Gavin. You're on with Jerry. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jerry. You're very welcome, Laura. So what was your question? Um, well, I ask my angels for help all the time, and I will often find pennies and dimes and feathers. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really always know what the feathers mean. Sometimes I think it means I'm on the right track. Or if I'm concerned or worried about something, I'll ask my angels to, you know, help me be strong that day for something that I know is coming up. And uh, I'll find feathers, you know, in the weirdest places, and sometimes they'll float down in front of me. Okay. So let me do this. Um, Laura, give me one second. I'm just going to just get centered and let Margaret come through to talk to you, okay? So give me just one second. Okay. 
Hello, dear one, and welcome. Laura, it is so good to have this opportunity to speak to you. Um, and I hope maybe right after we speak, I'll have an opportunity to speak to Jennifer as well. But I wanted just to say, so what happens is that angels throughout the centuries have always been depicted as being winged beings, as having wings that basically represented feathers. And the reason for that, the reason why why artists have depicted angels in that way and why we've even been perceived in that way energetically is that there exists in angels this ability to to transverse the universe, if you will, to come from a place of being in in a pure spiritual entity to creating some type of a of a a visual manifestation that mankind is able to see or feel or understand that gives them a sense of our presence and a sense of our being there and and being available to help or being available to protect. And so for you, one of the most difficult things, Laura, that you go through is self-doubt. Is that you'll you'll go through experiences and then wonder to yourself, is that really that I'm getting an angelic message or did I make that up? Doesn't don't you notice that that happens frequently for you? Yeah, it does. And then unless it's floating down in front of me or if it's a really big feather, then I'll tell mm-hmm. myself, oh, it's probably from my down coat. Right, right. So the whole thing with the feathers is that that's a way that your angel is trying to give you some kind of a physical manifestation that says to you, Laura, please believe in yourself. Please believe in the messages that you're getting. Please believe in what we're trying to speak to you about. Because, you know, it's, it's hard otherwise to to have some sort of a sign. So when you see the feather, the feather becomes very much a symbol of, of angelic energy. And it has been through through so many other times where there's this sense of of the feather being used as a manifestation to say, look at this, we are showing you that this is valid. And whether where that feather came from isn't important. If that feather somehow was energetically lifted by your angel from the midst of a down pillow that was somewhere near you so it could float in the air and come down in huh. front of your face, wow. that doesn't really matter. What matters is that it's coming to you in front of your face so that you might be able to see it and feel it and understand it. Wow. Jerry had an experience at one point. One of his first dramatic experiences was a meeting a guide by the name of White Feather. And one time, right after that experience happened, he was picking up Gail at the airport the next day, and he was relaying the story of what he had gone through in this dramatic journey in meeting this guy named White Feather. And in the midst of telling the story, he stopped and he said, You know what? It probably was my imagination, though, because, you know, I I, I probably made it up. It's something that I, 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 you know, it was just seemed so real. But And then at that point in time, 
Gail said to him, Jerry, would you look here for a moment? And he looked over, and on the passenger side window, there was a feather, a fairly large feather stuck to the window. Now, you live in New Jersey, Laura, so you know the New Jersey Turnpike, and they were driving on the New Jersey Turnpike from Newark Airport at 65 to 70 miles an hour, and there was no logical way for a feather to be sticking to the passenger side window. So, of course, they came up with all kinds of scenarios, some that were even funny, like, well, maybe there's poop on the feather (laughs) that's causing it to stick to the window. And they finally decided that that's what it was, that there had to be something on the feather that had just caused it to stick. But when they finally made it to the toll booth, they decided that this was such a miraculous sort of a thing that they they wanted them to keep the feather because they thought this is really important. And as Gail started very slowly to roll the window down, the feather, without any pomp or circumstances, just released itself, flew up, flew inside of the car, back outside of the car, and flew away. Wow. And those are the things, Joanne, that, you know, when you're looking for a sign and something like that happens, you have to look at it and say, okay, I get that sign. (laughs) I do get what you're saying. And that's, Laura, what you're getting. It's kind of like your wake-up call to say, okay, I get it. You are telling me. I'm getting this right. You're telling me I'm getting the information. You're telling me to trust myself. You're telling me that you are showing me I am there with you. I am I'm right by you. I'm doing whatever I can to, you know, short of putting feathers in your mouth, there's there's no better way that I'm trying to bring you this information to tell you, Laura, please trust yourself. Please Trust your intuition. Please trust your guts. Please trust the messages that you're getting and not to think anymore that who am I to believe that I am worthy of this, but to believe that you are. You are as everyone can. You are communicating with angels. And as time goes on, you're going to learn more and more that part of what your gift is going to be as well as to help others to communicate with angels. So please, please trust that, Laura. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. I I get the numbers, too. I'll wake up and I'll see, like this morning I woke up and it said, the clock said 404. So Mm -hmm. immediately I thought, oh, I got to look that up because that means something. Or I'll get twenty two twenty two or you know, just or one eleven, I get that eleven, eleven eleven, I right. get that a lot. So, yeah, and yeah. and sometimes different people will interpret numbers in different ways. But the thing that is so important is when you see numbers, the thing that really catches your attention is the fact that certain numbers appear repetitively. So the question of 1111s, you know, what makes that number be considered a sacred number is really because what it's all about is recognizing that everything is coming from ones. 
one, we're all one. Every bit of energy in the universe is one. One, mm. re- one repeats itself over and over. So if you were to have a clock that then measured seconds, it would be 11, 11, 11 when the 11 seconds come before. And it's just a matter of saying to you, please notice that everything recreates itself from the original one, come the other ones, come everything else. If you're seeing a number with a repetitive four, it is just trying to say to you, everything is repeating. Look at the experiences in your life that are repeating themselves. Look at the messages that you're getting that are showing you that you're having repetitive proof of the validity of those messages. Or look at those circumstances in your life that may be repeating themselves that you can look at and say to yourself, hmm, why is this experience repeating itself? So angels will, will try to show you when something is repeating in your life that's either something that you want to see repeating in your life and that you you want to be able to keep recreating because that's who you are, a recreator. You, It's an interesting thing, and I, I wanted to point this out, Jennifer, when you were um, talking about that sometimes maybe instead of doing the dishes or vacuuming the house, you do want to go out to take that walk. Yes. Think for a moment about that word, recreation. Recreation, which is taking some time to just unwind, to enjoy yourself, to do something that brings joy to you. Just break it down for a moment. It is recreation. It is the opportunity for you to recreate yourself by remembering those things that are important to you, remembering those things that bring you joy so you can recreate that energy of joy within yourself to lift your vibration. And when you lift your vibration, when you recreate an experience of joy to lift your vibration, it then allows you to bring that energy, that lifted vibrational energy out into the world, which helps to lift the vibration of others. So it's not just about recreation, which is selfish time to do something to yourself. It is about recreation of yourself. Recreation recreation of your relationship with someone else that you're doing something with. Recreation of your family as you spend family time in doing something. How many times have you perhaps gone on a vacation with your family and found that when you came back, you just had a whole new sense of feeling about that group, you know? You went away to Disney World, or you went away camping, or you went away where there was a whole new focus on nothing else but you as a, as a family unit, and the concept of having fun. So that's why vacations wind up becoming so enjoyable, because they are recreations of that family unit. And I would also share with you something I shared with Jerry for for both of you, but it's from that word vacation. One of the things that Jerry and I spoke about when he was doing the book and when he was moving in this new direction is that we started talk about talking about him 
when he would look towards the work that he wanted to do in the future, to begin to think of it, and we coined a new word for it, to think of it as his new vocation. Not vocation, but vocation. So that whatever his work would be that he would do, to try to seek out something that would make him feel as though he was on vacation when he was doing his work. Oh, I love that. So that vocation, yeah, yeah, it becomes that aspect of making every day feel as though you're on vacation, that every day you are enjoying it so much that it feels like a special special part of of a a new thing that you are doing. That's fantastic. Thank you. That's, yeah, that was amazing. Thank you so much for that. You're Mark, very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're very, very welcome. I wanted to just take a moment before Jerry came back also, Jennifer, to thank you for having us on tonight and for helping um, both Jerry and myself to to spread the message that there is no need. You know, classically, angels are, are always introduced to whatever situations and whatever holy books, you always will find saying the words, fear not. And it's not because we are fearsome characters. It is because we're trying to explain that fear is that thing that will stop you from being able to live the life of your dreams and to live that joyful existence, that that recreation of yourself. So every opportunity that we have to to share that message and to come to speak to new people and, and come to new places to say that and to have someone like yourself who has feared not what people would think about her and come out and said, this is who I am and this is my radio program and this is the the message I'm trying to get out to the world, you don't have any idea how many hearts you you then touch with that because you give them the opportunity to know that it's okay for them to be themselves. And I thank you so much for that. Oh, well, thank you. Um, and I hope you and Jerry will come back. Um, and you know, uh, angels have always been very dear to my heart. And uh, Margaret, you really just touched me because... Uh, much like Laura was saying, I really resonated with the um, questioning of, am I going in the right direction? Am I doing the right thing? And and I know Laura was like looking for reaffirmation for, for a message, but what you just said to me really, thank you, um, because, uh, you know, there's a, uh, Jerry's so fantastic to come on the show. Oftentimes I will call and ask people to come on, and it's not always the right timing. So you just, uh, you really... Uh, Thank you for that message because uh, that was something that really uh, was dear to my heart. So thank you very much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Let me bring Jerry back so that sure. he'll be able to to help you close mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye, Jeremy. <clears throat> hey, Jennifer. Yeah, Jerry, that was fantastic. Um, uh, I thank you so much. Margaret is uh, really wonderful. Uh, she gave not only Laura a reading, but me as well, too. Um, and uh, it was yeah. funny because at the end, she was she gave me some uh, really great words about the show, and it was what you and I had talked about, about me kind of getting out there, and she was sort of saying how much it's 
connecting to other people. And because I am being fearless in the show, that it will uh, help others to do the same, which I was amazing because you and I were talking about that in the pre-call. Um, but, Jerry, I wanted to see if perhaps you could give some of the listeners uh, two things, uh, a way to get a hold of you, and if you could share with us some events that you have coming up. And I know you've got your own radio show, obviously, on Hay House. So how can everybody Absolutely. connect with you if you want to tell everybody? Well, the the easiest way is my website, which is jerrygavin.com, and uh, that's G-E-R-R-Y-G-A-V-I-N.com. And um, on the site, right on the homepage of the site, you, there's a place where you can um, download the first two chapters of the book, Messages from Margaret, for free, so you can get a little feel for a little bit more of the story that we, we were talking about today. And uh, Margaret's first message for the world and a little more about the book there. There's information about how you can have a private reading with Margaret. Um, there's information about soul retrieval. There are products on the site, the, the Angels and Shamans Workshop, which is a download that can help individuals to actually um, learn how to speak with their own guardian angels and um, some other things. So there's a lot of great stuff that's uh, available right there on the site. Um, I also have a Facebook page, which is Messages from Margaret. Um, uh, Facebook, I, I, I always forget how it is. I guess it's facebook.com slash Messages from Margaret, so you can go to, to that page. Right now, as a matter of fact, I, if people are listening to the show live, I would love it if you could get to that Messages from Margaret page because um, I'm trying to make a decision between two book covers for the new book. And uh, we're actually, we've got a poll up there right now for people to help to get me there and put on what cover most uh, attracts you. So if you could definitely do that, I would be most appreciative. Um, Event-wise, in April, I've got a couple of things coming up. If you're on the East Coast, for you guys who are New Jersey folks, yourself, Jen and Laura, if you could make it, uh, anybody else who's out there listening, I'm going to be at the Mind, Body, Spirit Expo, which is in Somerset, New Jersey, and that's going to be on the weekend of um, the 10th, 11th and 12th. So it's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I'll have a booth there all three days. It's at the, I believe, the New Jersey or the Somerset Convention Center right there, but the website is mindbodyspiritexpo.com. And what you do is just go to that site, um, click on tickets, and scroll down, and you'll see a picture of me, and you can uh, click on that part of the site to be able to get tickets for for the event. Uh, I'll be speaking there for um, about 90 minutes and um, uh, channeling Margaret live, taking questions from the audience. Everyone who's in the audience actually will uh, get a free copy of the Angels and Shamans workshop, the download. So um, that's like a $45 value alone. So, you know, it's a, a great uh, great opportunity to, to get that. So th there's a lot of really fun things. There's brand new content. Uh, Margaret's going to be leading a, um, a meditation during that, and that's coming up on the 10th, 11th, and 12th. And I'm speaking on the 11th uh, at 11 o'clock in the morning. So Margaret oh, there you talking go. about that. The one, about that the 11, one, yeah. 11 that and the ones coming from the ones. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty wow. interesting. So so if you can join me there, please do. Um, I know there are still seats available right now for the talk. And, um, you know, I know as it gets closer, you know, people tend to, to do things as it gets a little bit closer. But please 
you know, come to the talk, um, visit me at the booth. I would love, it, it, these are great opportunities for me to get to meet people. The other thing coming up in April is I'm going to be speaking at the Hay House I Can Do It event, which is a great event because it's, it's just a, a slew of Hay House authors who are there the whole weekend, each of us doing individual workshops. And um, I'm going to be speaking at that one. It's it's the weekend of um, the 24th to the 26th, Friday the 24th through the 26th. I'll actually be speaking on Sunday the 26th at 10.30 in the morning um, till noon. Uh, but there's a, 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 just a, so many wonderful speakers. And, and what you do with Jerry, that one where, is just go where to... Is that one? Is that one? Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Duh. that one is in it's in Denver, Colorado. Oh, and, phenomenal! Uh, it's, Colorado. it's um, yeah. Denver, and Denver is just beautiful. The people in Denver yeah. are amazing. I had the privilege of doing that one last year, and um, it really is fun. So, if you're anywhere near the Denver area, that's the weekend of the 24th, 25th, uh, 26th. I'll be speaking the 26th, and you just go to hayhouse.com. And, um, you know, click on the I Can Do It event, Denver, and it will allow you to get tickets there. And please do sign up for my workshop. And you mentioned the radio show. If there are folks out there who aren't aware of it, um, Hay House Radio, which is hayhouseradio.com, it's a wonderful radio station that features um, Hay House authors who do their own weekly hour-long broadcasts. And they're so many wonderful this is a you know for me to be involved with this radio station is just so exciting because this is a place I used to come to all the time for for inspiration to listen to to Wayne Dyer to to listen to Gabriel Bernstein or or or, um, oh my gosh just so many uh, Esther Hicks um, so many wonderful programs that are on there and and I have the honor of doing a program every Tuesday, 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific time. Um, in every program, I have the opportunity to channel Margaret for about a half hour and take your calls. Some some shows are almost entirely just uh, taking calls from, from all over the world, which is just an amazing thing, you know? Yeah, to I love me, the show. I, yeah, I, I, so I love doing it. Yeah. It, it, um, it's so much fun to do, and uh, it's it's so great to have you know people calling in, and uh, that that call in portion of the call of the show too. That's kind of totally Margaret driven. I mean, she she chooses the caller. She takes right. The she call, chooses she, your cue, doesn't she? You don't go one two three, does. right? She says you need no, to take caller no. three or caller ten or what have you, right? Yes, I right, forgot about that, right, Jerry. That's right. She'll tell you which one to go, right? It's kind of Maybe. funny sometimes too, because as I'm going into bringing her through, I'll I'll see the call board, and I'll so many times I'll think to myself, "Ooh, that call on line three looks so interesting," or that call on line seven looks so interesting, and and she'll go in completely different directions, and we'll pick completely different things. But what's always so interesting is every program there seems then to be this theme that derives by the callers that she takes and yeah. and the and the explanations that really puts it in such a different different direction than I ever saw it going into, you know? Yeah, and then, and then um, no doubt as it goes into archives too for whoever I love whoever's gonna choose that show if they didn't hear it live, obviously the calls were meant for them. You know, I always feel whenever you right. said this the other day, whenever you're ready to hear whatever the message was 
you tune into that, and, and there it is. Um, amazing work, though, Jerry. I, I really, I will be there um, on the 11th, <laughs> and I uh, will uh, get my ticket today, and I would love to, to meet you and just uh, spend a little more time. And please come back. If you want to come back on the show, we'd love to have you. I just want to do one quick announcement. Um, Janelle will be back uh, in two weeks from today, and we'll be talking about marriage and how to keep it going, a long, long-term marriage, and women and men, and, and how our spirit can, re, how to realign your spirit. And then Janelle Hoyland is coming up from Houston. She's going to come up to Jersey in June, the weekend of the 12th, 13th, and 14th, and she's going to be doing another boot camp for anyone who's interested in the New York City area. You can go to her website page, Janelle Hoyland or JanelleHoyland.com. And again, Jerry, I, I so enjoyed this with you and Margaret. I love the book. Uh, messages from Margaret, Down to Earth, and Jail's Advice uh, for the World and You. And I can't wait for the new one to come out. Um, I, I just really, your work is really terrific. So thank you again for coming on. And, uh, thank um, you. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Can I just add one more thing? I would sure. love to, to, to offer something to your audience as well. So we've been doing a thing on my radio show. It's the second anniversary of the of this Hay House radio show, and we've been doing a discount on on personal readings with Margaret of 35% off the, the cost of those readings. And I would love to extend that to your audience as well. So anyone who's listening to the program, if they could please just send me an email and let me know that they're coming from your program, I'd love to honor that for for your audience. Oh, Jerry, too. that's so, phenomenal. Oh, my gosh, there you go. That's one thing for the gratitude jar, right? That's phenomenal. Thank you. That's amazing. You're um, welcome. You're very really welcome. Really fantastic. I cannot thank you enough. Um, and again, please come on uh, if you can in the future, and you know we'll definitely be in touch. Um, I'm I would love to. The show out with um, a song from Chris Hendricks, who was on our show a couple weeks ago. And um, again, this was Spiritual Happy Hour with Jen Lajotis, and we had a fantastic time with Jerry Gavin. Please go to his website, meet him in person, Listen to him on Hay House Radio. He is phenomenal. Um, thanks, Jerry, so much, and um, we'll definitely be in touch. Have a great evening. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, everybody. Electric.